You are listening to the Calvary Church Podcast, where each episode features a life-transforming message that was previously recorded in one of our services. And now, let's join a service that's already in progress. Thank you, Pastor. Praise the Lord, everyone. Just how big is your God? Anybody have a, a way to phrase that? We always to ask our children, how much do you love me? I love you this much. Our God is not filling up all space. The water bottle that's in the seat next to you, uh, seems like everyone carries a water bottle these days. I guess we're all firemen in training or something, I don't know. But that water bottle, the water fills up the bottle. Which is larger, the water or the bottle? The container is larger. So when people say God fills all space, they are downgrading God. God does not fill space. Space is racing, trying to find the limits of where God is. The scientists throw telescopes out into space and let them go for years and years and years and peer further and further than we've ever seen before. And they say it's all expanding from some central place. They call it the Big Bang. We call it the Big Voice. (laughs) Evidently, it blew their speakers out, so it was just a Big Bang. But for us, it's the Big Voice. God said, let there be. And from that time, the universe has been expanding, trying to find the limits of our God. Our God is able today to do exceedingly, abundantly, above anything you could ever ask or think. Lord, we come to magnify you right now. You are above all. You are before all, and you are after all, and you are our all in all. We give ourselves completely without reservation to you this day, this day, oh Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You know, I was uh, with some a hyphen group several years ago. Uh, I think in Baltimore we were uh, doing a hyphen event, and they took me out for a little bit of pit barbecue and said, now this barbecue is going to change your life. It was good. I ate too much. It was good, but it was not life-transforming. Now, if I ate three meals a day for about five years straight, that might transform my life in a direction I would choose not to go. There's only one thing that will change your life, and that's the power of Jesus Christ. What a delight to be here with you at Calvary Church this morning, worshiping the one who is worthy to be worshiped. Amen, amen. This is Sunday, which means it's the first day of the week. You do know you don't go to church on the weekend, right? Someone asks you what you did on the weekend, you have to tell them what you did Friday and Saturday. That's the weekend. Sunday is the first day of the week. Worshiping at the end of the week, as the Jewish folks did for generations and generations and still do today, is looking backward to creation. It's looking backward to coming out of Egypt land. But for the early church, they said, how about we start worshiping on the first day of the week, on the eighth day? How about we just start seeing the day when Jesus rose from the grave? That starts our week. And we're going to begin our week not by looking backward, 
God has done some great things in the past. We have had some victories in the past, but Christians begin the first day of the week. We look forward. What's God going to do today? And what's God going to do tomorrow? When you go to school on Monday, when you go to work on Tuesday, when you go to Walmart on Wednesday, I wonder what God's up to. For Christians, our Sunday worship should be a package, a Christmas package for all week. Worship says, I explore my futures in light of the coming of Jesus Christ when he's going to make everything brand new and all good. So this morning we worship as a little Easter, and in a few weeks you'll worship uh, the, the, the big Easter perhaps, but this morning he is risen and the tomb is empty. I'd like to preach a little bit today from 1 Peter chapters 2 and 3. Uh, I like to preach concerning by his stripes, by his stripes. Now, because of this text, I have to do something that speakers aren't supposed to do. You're not supposed to start by giving away your punchline. That's a bad way to tell a story, okay? And when you say three dudes walked into a bar, you don't give your punchline right then. You, you spin it out for a little bit. But I have to give my punchline away right at the beginning uh, to uh, help us set it on the right path. The by his stripes that we will read later in verse number 24 is not primarily about your physical healing. How many have been physically healed in the past? I have. I, I stand here today as a miracle from God. All right. Uh, one week before I went to fourth grade, I had to go have a physical. My parents moved us to a new city to start a new church, and I had to have a physical to go to school. I walked into the doctor's office, and the doctor said he has ruptured appendix, taking for surgery now. That doctor had never seen me before. He, had never, he didn't even touch me. The Lord revealed to him when I walked into his office what was wrong. We went straight to the hospital. The surgeon said he's got the flu. Pediatrician said, no, he's dying because his appendix is already ruptured. Got the flu, he's dying. Got the flu, he's dying. Finally, the pediatrician grabbed the chart, wrote on there, you will do surgery now. So the surgeon says, ah, what's a few bucks here and there? Might as well. When they cut me open, they found that there was a membrane bag holding all of the poison from my appendix that had ruptured seven days before. God is a healer and He is a sustainer. He is a giver of life. I was in a church on one Sunday morning, a resurrection morning like today, and where we were as young people, I could see through into the auto class. I saw a fella fall over dead. I saw the ambulance come and haul him out. He was there the next Sunday worshiping. God still raises the dead, and on that day, He's going to raise all of the dead. But when we look at this text, by His stripes we are healed. Hopefully by the time we're finished, you'll realize this is primarily about spiritual and emotional healing. So right now, I want you to know the healer is in the house. I have no guarantee that if you come forward with a cancer, migraine headaches, high blood pressure, rheumatic fever, uh, whatever it might be, I have no guarantee that you will be healed physically. But I offer right now under the unction of the Holy Spirit that if you will come forward in a few moments and confess a need for spiritual and emotional healing, I promise you, by His stripes,
We will all die from something physically. It's appointed unto all of us to die. But it is not God's will for any of you to go home in spiritual or emotional pain because by His stripes we are healed. Looking at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 through 12, we see some context here. Peter says, you are a chosen generation. Apologize, I brought the geezer version, so if you've got an easier version to read, go ahead and read that. It just happened to be the Bible I picked up on the way out of the house. You are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You're a weird people. Some of us represent that more than others. That you should show forth the praises. We live right now on a mission to praise Jesus. We should show forth the praises of Him who has brought us out of darkness and to His marvelous light. In times past, we were nobodies. There are some people in the room right now who feel like they're a nobody now. That too many people told you you could do nothing, that you were the wrong skin color, you were the wrong gender, that you were the wrong age, that you had failed too many times. I'm here to let you know you're a somebody. You've been called out of darkness into His marvelous light. It's, it's not His will for you to look in the mirror and commit spiritual suicide. Spiritual suicide is when you look in the mirror and say, that person is no good. That's spiritual suicide. When you look in the mirror and say, there's no reason for me to live another day. I need to get out of this world. That's spiritual suicide. Just as the Lord told Peter on that, mount, uh, that hilltop, excuse me, housetop one day when he was quite hungry, let down that vision of the sheet with unclean animals. He says, don't you dare, Peter, call what I have called clean. You have no business when I put my seal of purity on something to call it unclean. You have no business to question my cleansing ability. There's someone in the house this morning that you've heard way too many times. You're of no value and you're limited resources and there's nothing that you can do for the king. Don't you dare look in the mirror and say that after Jesus has said, that's my son and that's my daughter. I have a purpose for them. I want you to know right now, he who the son has set free is free indeed. You are clean by the washing of the water of the Word. I just want to right now take a little bit of praise break. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your abundant goodness. You have washed us. You cleanse us. You purify us. Oh, oh, wondrous Redeemer. Oh, purifying one that brings us into your marvelous light. Whoo, your marvelous light. Your marvelous light. Someone right now needs to let your eyes open in the spirit world a little bit. God has you here for a reason and a purpose and a design. And no one has the authority to cripple you in the spirit. No one has the authority to cripple you in the spirit. In times past, we were not a people, but we are now the people of God. We had not obtained mercy, but dude, do we have it now. Dearly beloved, I beg you, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, this world is not your home. 
<laughs> you think you own your house. Anybody ready to leave it behind? You may like your car, but streets of gold is going to be one cool place. And even if you drive a new vet, it doesn't belong there. Don't know what he's going to let us ride in there, but it's going to be totally awesome. So as a people, we are strangers here. Now notice he says, because you're strangers here and pilgrims here, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul. Now many times when I had heard that verse before or people had preached it before, it's like, you better be good because you're this close to going to hell. God comes back after you had a bad thought and you didn't repent. You cheated on your taxes. Going down. Said an angry word against pastor. Forget about it. You're going to think about it while you fry. (laughs) Fry, baby, fry. That's what's going to be on your mind. I was good for 72 years, and God caught me with one bad thought about pastor just before the rapture, and now I'm going to fry forever. Now, I do believe there's a hell to be shunned, but in this passage, notice he does not say abstain from bad stuff to stay out of hell. He says abstain from these things is war against your soul because your conversation, your life, your lifestyle needs to be honest before the Gentiles, those are without. They speak against you as evildoers, that by your good works which you have They shall behold, they will glorify God in the day of visitation. In other words, we reject the lusts of the flesh which war against the soul. I I have to confess there are times I, I have to war against some materialism things. I probably, there's at least one other person in the room that has the same battle. I don't know why, I just like nice stuff. I was at my sister-in-law's house last week as we were doing a memorial for my father-in-law, and my precious princess is there now. Uh, That's why she can't be with me here. Everyone else got a paper plate but me. My sister-in-law was mocking me. She gave me a real plate because she knows I like nice stuff. If something's worth eating, don't put it on styrofoam. Dear God, every good gift and perfect gift comes from above, the Father of lights. Why would you put steak on styrofoam? I believe the bean is a gift from God. When you roast it just right and grind it just right and put it in a machine and make a nice cup of coffee, it goes in glass, not paper. So I have this thing. I use a ballpoint pen about once every six months. Why? Because if you got to write, use something halfway decent. 
I have to war against this, these because I, there's always one more nice fountain pen I don't have. There's always one more nice thing I haven't experienced, and I have to be careful. This world is not my home. My house is not an evaluation of me. I think I deserve another thousand square feet, frankly. <laughs> Pastor Ellis, don't you think I deserve... I'm a, you said I was a good guy. Good guys get at least 2,500 square foot house. That's part of the equation. Good guys, good gals get nice jobs. For good people, things turn out nicely. Brothers and sisters, those are lusts which war against us. If my identity is in my house, my job stuff I own or places I get to visit on vacation, then my identity's in the wrong place. His name is placed on me. Anybody else have his name on you? You remember the day you were baptized and his name was called on you? In the Old Testament it says, I'm going to put my name on a city. I'm going to put my name in a city, a place where they're going to worship. In the New Testament, we all become that worship center of an almighty God. And his name gets placed on us. We are in covenant relationship with him. This world is not my home. And if God has put you in a broken down part of town or even under a bridge, in a cardboard box. Live to the glory of God where he has you because that is not your identity. That broken down apartment is not your identity. And frankly, neither is the McMansion your identity. Your identity is in Christ. For the early church, they were called evildoers primarily for three things. First of all, they were called evildoers because they uh, worshiped only one God. So the world called them atheists. Isn't that a little weird? They called them atheists because they only worshiped one God. They called, said Jesus is Lord and nothing else. Jesus is Lord. So they were called atheists. Secondly, they were called cannibals. Because just like what we're going to do tonight, they would take of the Lord's Supper. We see from Acts chapter 20, they did it early in the morning on Sunday every week at that specific church, as many of the early churches did. And so outsiders would see them eat of the bread and drink of the cup and talk about the body and blood of Christ and says, boy, y'all, a bunch of cannibals. And thirdly, they were accused of being incestuous because they called each other brother and sister. I tell folks that I met Sherry at a family reunion. And folks wonder how straight my family tree might be. Met her at a family reunion because I met her at a church function, a place where young people were getting together ready to go to Germany to do a, a missions trip overseas because in Christ we all have one heavenly Father. In Christ we are all from Him. In Christ we are all precious princesses and princes of an almighty God. And brothers and sisters, I am not withdrawing from the firm on this Easter. 
Now, there's a certain prince and princess that withdrew from their firm in England and moved to a foreign country. I want you to know that my king, he treats all of his children with value and respect. And none of you need to withdraw from his heavenly firm. Instead, you can say, here's my life, O Lord. Use it to your glory. Let your glory and honor be seen in me. I don't want to withdraw from the firm this Easter. I want to walk close closer to the king who has called us unto his marvelous light. Verse number 13, we begin five case studies, five case studies for needing of healing. Some of what I say this morning borders on being R-rated because Paul lived in, Peter lived in a very challenging world. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to be to a king as supreme or unto governors, unto them that sent by him to punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. For it is the will of God that we will, with well-doing, you may be put to silence ignorance of foolish people. So those that are accusing us of being mean-spirited Christians, have you ever heard that? Christians are just pinheaded, mean-spirited, hateful people. When you talk about holiness, folks say, well, you're just a hateful people. Now, there might be some people who talk about holiness in a hateful way, but that's not the way of Christ. The way of Christ is holiness so that we can do His purpose, sanctify for His purposes and His will. So when we speak against sin, we are not speaking in a way that's hateful. As a matter of fact, last summer as violence struck across America. If we as a royal priesthood, holy nation, when that happens again, I pray that we do not ask for governors to call out the National Guard. I pray that we don't ask for the police to crack down more strongly or to back off and let buildings burn. Instead, I pray that we drop to the knee and say, Lord God, would you have mercy on our city? Would you have mercy on our state? Would you bring your glory to America, O Lord? Let your light be known, this violence that's felt in the city because one group is fighting another group because of inequities. This is not your will, oh God, because you are not a respecter of persons. You value men and women. You value black and white, and you value the young and the old. So, dear God, would you have mercy on all sides of this equation? I have to be careful because the lust of my flesh starts rising up and I start thinking more as an American than I do as a Christian. I'm thankful to be an American. I'm, 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 I'm really grateful that I live in this wonderful country as were my parents going back many generations. I'm thankful for those that might become recent uh, immigrants to our country, such as one of my daughters-in-law was born in Asia. Now she's uh, in the United States, and, and what an opportunity that is. But I need to be thinking as a disciple of Jesus Christ when challenges come our way. We are not here to let one group win over the other group. We are here to demonstrate that Easter is, opens the door for everyone to have an encounter with Jesus Christ. You cannot be too far from Calvary this Easter to have the light draw you in. You cannot get outside of the gravitational pull of the Holy Spirit, for it's not His will that any should perish. Peter lived in an evil empire. Peter was not a citizen. 
Paul was a citizen, we can see from the book of Acts, but Peter was not a citizen. Peter had no civil rights. None. We get really upset when someone infringes on our civil rights, like I should be able to go into the restaurant when I want to, not have to drive through. After all, if it's a meal, it shouldn't be in paper. It's like when you go to a steakhouse and they ask, do you want steak sauce with that? I hope not. Are you telling me it's really suspect today and I should leave right now? I get upset when my, I, when my feelings are infringed on. I get bothered. Peter lived in a world where he was not a citizen. He had no rights. But notice what he says in verse number 16. As a free person, governments do not give you religious freedom. Uh, the United States government did not give you freedom. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. As a matter of fact, my brothers and sisters that worshipped yesterday, their Sunday, they're kind of ahead of us, brothers and sisters in China who worshipped yesterday under a lockdown nation that controls people's thoughts, actions, and behaviors, and until recently controlled how many babies you could have. They are equally free to you and to me. Don't pray for their religious freedom. They have religious freedom because the Son has set them free. Brothers and sisters, you are not free because the Bill of Rights said you are free. You're free because the King has set you free. And because the King sets you free, nobody can take your freedom away. Government cannot take your freedom away. Economies cannot take your freedom away. Your health cannot take your freedom away. I'm thankful for religious heritage. I have a grandfather that had a stroke in his early 60s and in a hospital in St. Louis and as he was dying, half of his body paralyzed. As he was dying, the last words out of his mouth as he raised the arm that was paralyzed. His last words were, not my will, but thine be done. Last words out of his mouth. That's a free man right there. Health had, stroke had no ability to cripple him. Teaching a class next week in Urshan Graduate School of Theology, one of the books that I'm using is on dementia. People worry with dementia, what happens when I forget my family? Then the scary part, what happens when I forget God? Is that a little bit scary to anybody else? As a lifelong teacher, I can handle the idea of being in a wheelchair. I can't have the, handle the idea of losing my mind. Some people think I'm already there and don't know it. That's a different story. Thesis of that author of dementia is living in God's memory. You see, when you put yourself in the master's hand, the question isn't, do you remember God? It's that God remembers you. And anything that God remembers exists. Anything that God remembers is of value. So if there's anybody caring for an elder today, and you don't know if their life has purpose, or are they okay when they all of a sudden have a fit, an anger fit that they never had before? Brothers and sisters, they're in the hand of an amazing God. And what he remembers is free. What he remembers is alive. And what he remembers remembers as vibrant. 
I am so thankful today that I am free to worship my Jesus. And nobody can take that away from me. Unemployment can't take that away from me. Hunger cannot take that away from me. I am free to worship my Jesus. But he says, don't use that freedom to do what you want to do. You're free to be a slave of Christ, slave of God. Jesus put it this way in the Sermon on the Mount, and you will be, you can't serve two masters, God and mammon or God and stuff. You'll serve one and hate the other or serve the one and hate the first. You will serve something. People who think they are independent have an idol. Here's the scary part. The idol has their face on it. Could you imagine each morning going to the breakfast table, lighting a candle, get your bacon and eggs or your cream of wheat, whatever it is, and bow before the idol that looks like you. Oh, mighty one, I pay obeisance to you today. I pray thy will be done in my life today. I pray that you're smart enough to handle every challenge I face today because there's nobody as good looking as you smart as you. I wish other people had the idol of me to worship too. That's why I argue with people at work, because my idol is better than their idol. Individualism is worshiping yourself. That's the deepest of bondage there has ever been. I am so thankful we are free from that bondage. And because I'm free from that bondage, I am free from self, free to serve Christ and do His purpose now. So here's that first case study. In a world that is evil empire, Paul lived, Peter lived in the, one of the most evil empires known to humanity. He says, that's the place, it's by his stripes you're healed. So if you live in a government that oppresses one group of people and elevates others, if there's anyone in the room that's of Native American heritage, I'm, I'm sorry of what's done to your people by our government over hundreds of years. I'm sorry for it and the way it's robbed lands and pushed you into reservations and called you second class. And No wonder this rampant alcoholism. But I want you to know that Jesus Christ has come to set you free, and no government has the ability to tie you down. But but because governments have done that to you, you need the wounds of Jesus to heal you today. Anyone that's African-American and has family members who were hung on lynching trees and that were placed in horrible situations and moms and dads were sold down the river by their masters, I cannot understand the bondage that that places on your mind. But this one thing I do know, Jesus' wounds are for you here this morning. I cannot make up for your yesterdays, but with the healing of Jesus Christ, by his stripes, you can be healed. You can face tomorrow free with purpose and design. White privilege will still exist. Perhaps male privilege will exist. Educational privilege will exist. There's even height privilege. There's, there's skinny privilege, height privilege, skinny privilege. There's follicle privilege. I think I should fall under the ADA Act. Disabilities. I'm follically impaired. 
I should get a check. <laughs> to make up for struggles I've seen because nobody knows but the Lord what I've been through. Brothers and sisters, this day, wounds that you carry from others or that you have inflicted on yourself, the healer is in the house right now. Remember that demoniac? He had wounds, self-inflicted, right? Because the demons inside of him, he was the first cutter I know about, cut himself to try to feel something in the night hours because every human effort had failed. But when Jesus stepped out of the storm and onto his shore, 2,000 demons did not have the power to stop his worship. 2,000 demons could not hem him in. Instead, he fell at the feet of Jesus. So you might have self-inflicted wounds this morning in your spirit. You have, may have made serious mistakes in the past, and that's why your spirit is wounded today. And I want you to know it's by his stripes. There's healing in the house, no matter if someone else did it to you or you did it to yourself. Peter goes on, case study number two, verse 18, servants be subject to your master. As an American, it hurts for me to read these verses because I've studied the history too much. It hurts me to look at a Jim Crow picture where there's fountains for black men and fountains for white men. It hurts me to think about Miss Parks who had to go to the back of the bus until one day she said she wouldn't do it anymore. It hurts me to think about those stories and how that continues into today. But Peter was speaking to some real slaves who served some real masters and some of those were evil people. But Peter told those servants, you can receive buffeting and not fall away. Why? Because Christ was bruised for you. He was beaten for you. So just take that lash to the cross and let Jesus' healing have a work in you. For you are not a slave of that master. You have been freed to serve Christ. As painful as those verses are to us as Americans in our American history, I want you to understand, dropping down to verse number 21, for even hereunto are ye yet called, abused by governments, abused by masters. The next chapter talks about abuse in families, wives who were not valued in that day, that they should continue to worship the Lord freely, even though they were devalued as women. And it called men to acknowledge the purpose and value of their spouse, even though that was not acceptable really in that day. And then the last case study, we don't have time to get there, but the last case study, which begins in verse number 8, is fights in the church have wounded some people. I know some people who should be here this morning, but they're not because they received a, a wound in the house of God. And if we were honest, most of us have had a disagreement with somebody from the house of God. 
But here's the beautiful thing. If you receive a wound by governments, and if you receive a wound by evil taskmasters and employment systems, if you receive a wound in your family or even a wound in the house of God, there's a healer in the house right here, right now. Do not go home with shame. Do not go home with spiritual pain. Go home in the freedom of Jesus Christ because he was bruised for you. He was wounded for you. He knew no sin, neither was there any guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, he didn't revile again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judged righteously. He carried our sins in his own body on the tree. He took mine. I'm so thankful. As we were worshiping this morning, I had to say one more time, Lord, I'm so thankful that you took my sins away. I'm so thankful. Not just the ones that I had committed as an evil five-year-old. <laughs> I was a wicked, wicked five-year-old. I coveted my neighbor's eraser. See, I have this lust for nice things. As a wicked five-year-old, a week before my sixth birthday, I was baptized and received the Spirit. And I'm so thankful that all the sins since then He has also taken away and nailed them to the cross. When I look at the cross this Easter, I see a whole lot of things nailed there. I see my sins nailed there. I see my neighbor's sins nailed. I see your sins all nailed there. That's why rejoice, because He took them to the cross. But not only did He take your sins away, He offers healing in its place. Being dead to sins should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye are healed. If it's all right, I would like to pray a strange prayer right now. I would like to pray that everything that you have in your life that covers up your pain in the spirit and in your emotions, I'm going to pray that those protective devices get stripped away right now. That sounds mean. It's taken me years to build that wall. Learning to live with the pain and sorrow has taken me years to come up with a strategy to deal with that child abuse that happened in the past or working hard on a job and then getting passed over by nepotism or whatever it might have been. It's taken me years to deal with that and avoid it. I pray right now in the name of Jesus that every bandage be ripped off, every scab fall away and expose the wounds in your spirit. I would be a sadist if there wasn't a healer in the house. If I did not truly believe the words of Peter, by his stripes ye are healed, I would ask for more layers of protection on you. I would give you more psychologist tools for dealing with your pain I don't want you to deal with your pain. I want you to cast it on Jesus because it's by His stripes you are healed. Lord Jesus, I pray right now under the unction of the Spirit, would you give us the courage to let down every barrier, the barrier of failed marriages in the past, the pain that still exists. I pray right now, Lord, would you let us, help us let down the barrier of protections we've built. Past failures, 
ministry failures, business failures, failures raising our children, whether it was real or imagined. Right now, Lord Jesus, I pray, would you, would you by your grace give me faith to let you strip away my self-protection devices. Leave me scarred before you, Lord Jesus, I pray. For every elder in the room that wonders if their life is worth value now, I pray their protective devices be stripped away. For every mother that's exhausted, for every lady that wants children so desperately and cannot, for every man that has reached 40 and realized their potential will never be respected, they will never achieve like everybody lied to them. They could be what they wanted to be. Right now, I pray, Lord Jesus, would you strip away things I am doing to hold myself together. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. There are some songs I sing even this day when I hear the song sung. It takes me back to when I was six and seven and my dad would take me to nursing home services with him. In those days, maybe it was because of the poverty of the area, kind of nursing home that we walked into, the place smelled like cancer. When I hear that song, my olfactory glands have memories, and I remember cancer smells when I hear certain songs that we used to sing at the nursing home. This morning, there is wound smells in the house. Oozing scars, the smell is in the house. On some day when he returns, we will all be physically healed. And every cancer that's healed now is a reminder of the day when all cancers will be healed. Every blind eye open now speaks forward to the day when I don't have to put my contacts in anymore on the other side. Solutions now speak about then, even though we're all not going to be healed in those things now. But here's God's good pleasure for Calvary Church on this March Sunday morning pointing towards Easter. Please don't go home with spiritual and emotional wounds because by His stripes, everyone here is supposed to go home healed today. And just like I resist drinking coffee out of styrofoam, would you please resist walking through life with spiritual wounds? I would lots rather drink out of styrofoam and eat off of a paper plate, and that's no judgment on anybody else. It's just my personal preferences. I would lots rather eat off of a paper plate. I would lots rather eat off, lots rather eat off of a sheet of paper every day the rest of my life if I knew that everyone in this room would go home receiving the touch Jesus had planned for today. There is healing planned for today that's going to go home unopened because you won't take the risk of saying, Lord, here I am. Heal me by your scars. Would you stand together with me? Jesus, <laughs> Jesus is here. And because the tomb is empty... <laughs> 
His stripes meant something. If there were no Easter, then the cross would be worthless. You have to have a resurrection for the death to be meaningful. But for it to really be meaningful, someone here on this Sunday morning in Cincinnati needs to say, Lord Jesus, here I am. I receive healing in my spirit. I receive healing in my body. I want you to know right now the Lord's going to heal you right now. And you're going to have to keep that in your faith and in your spirit from this day going forward as your mind is restored and your spirit is restored and your behaviors are transformed by what Jesus is doing right here, right now. Lord Jesus, we come to that place where you have chosen to bring a healing. You are in the house right now, and anyone that comes forward confessing a need for spiritual healing, as I have done this morning, I've confessed it to you, Lord, and I've received it. Right now, I pray in the name of Jesus, anyone that comes requesting a healing in their spirit and a healing in their emotions, that you do it even now in the name of Jesus, I pray. Would you come? Would you come? In Jesus' name, just come and stand. You don't need to kneel and bed. Come and stand. Raise your hand toward him. Say, Lord, here I am. I surrender. I surrender my pain to your stripes. I surrender my sorrow to your wounds. You paid the price that I could be healed. Here I am, Lord Jesus. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, Thanks for listening.